Happy New Year. Father, time has passed, and the baton from 2022 to 2023, welcome to spring. (laughs) If COVID or flu doesn't get us, 30-degree temperature changes just might. I can't think of a better place, though, to start a New Year's than to be here with you this morning. I'd also like to wish you a happy new month. A happy new week, a happy new day, or how about a happy new hour? Aren't you glad I didn't say happy hour? How about a happy new moment? Years, months, days, weeks, hours, seconds, all these are measures of time. And when Chris asked me to give him a break and fill in today, uh, being New Year's, I thought we should do something about time. Our lives seem ruled by time, don't they? Uh, There's a a bedtime, a time to get up, a lunchtime, a time to be at work, a time to start school or catch the bus. I used to wear a watch until my sons told me that I was behind the times and that I should now use my phone. Now watches are apparently back in And watches today are what we dreamed of with the cartoon Dick Tracy. Uh, He was ahead of his time, wasn't he? Uh, Younger children, you can ask your parents about that. That is, of course, if they are not pressed for time. Uh, Nowadays, it seems like I have time on my hands until I have to call it a night. And other days, it's a race against time to finish all I have to do to, what, beat the clock. Uh, And then, even then, it seems like time flies, doesn't it? There are hundreds of idioms about time, and God's Word actually says a lot about time, and because it's New Year's Day, Uh, which marks the passing of time, I would like to explore this morning what God has to say to us about time. Turn with me, if you would, to Ecclesiastes 3 to begin our study. Ecclesiastes 3. And let's read together verses 1 through 8. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to shun embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart, and a time to sew together, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. 
If you look at verse 1 with me, let's look at verse 1 for a few seconds. There's is an appointed time for everything. So what does everything mean? It means everything. Verses 2 through 8, which we'll visit again in a little bit, tell us, and it went through a big list, but between a time to be born and a time to die encompasses about everything, doesn't it? And then at the end of the verse, you'll see the phrase, under heaven. What does under heaven mean? The author of Ecclesiastes uses the same phrase in chapter 1, verse 12, when he says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. And the Psalms tells us that the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men. So under heaven simply means that God who is in heaven has appointed and established a time for everything here under heaven, on, on earth. And finally, we need to understand uh, how the English translators handled the word translated. Uh, my uh, New American Standard said, uh, for every event. Yours may say, uh, for every matter. Or if you had the King James Version, it translates the word, the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is chepet, and they translate it as purpose. There is a time to every purpose under heaven. This is a hard word uh, to translate a little bit in Hebrew, from the Hebrew uh, word, the Hebrew word, root, root word, excuse me, and this word is most often translated as to delight in, or delights, or good pleasure, or simply pleasure. It's the same word we find in uh, Isaiah 53, verse 10, where it says, yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him, to bruise Christ. So in Isaiah 53, there's a sense in which it was God's desire, his delighting in, or should we say his purpose in putting Christ to grief on the cross to save sinners like us. So that's the same word here that some translations uh, translate as matter or event. But if we put this all together, really what we see is that... um, God has a purpose and a will. He is sovereign over the affairs of man, and he has a purpose for everything, a plan in which he delights. This is what we would call providence. John Piper, Dr. John Piper defines providence as being different from sovereignty. This is what he says, quote, The term sovereignty does not contain the idea of purposeful action, but the term providence does. Sovereignty focuses on God's right in power to do all that he wills, but in itself it does not express any design or goal. Of course, God's sovereignty is purposeful. It does have design. It does pursue a goal. But we note this not simply because God is sovereign, but because he is wise and because the Bible portrays him as having purpose in all that he does. So when we read this first verse that God, uh, there's a time for every matter, there's a time for every event, it's really a time for every purpose, of every purpose that God has, uh, his will, his design, his plan are all built into that Hebrew word. 
So first of all, as we look at God's providence over time, we have to understand that not only did God create everything that we see, the universe, the planet, and everything, but God created time. So when he created the universe, you have matter, space, and time. So for my engineer friends and those in the physics, the best known equation might be E equals MC squared. I see I saw the music teacher knows that one from Albert Einstein. The C is the constant for the speed of light. The speed is measured in time. To be precise, 299,792,458 meters per second. Per second, that's per time. So God, in creating matter and energy, also created time. So I don't know if you're a Star Wars or a Star Trek fan, but if you're a Star Trek fan, we would call this the space-time continuum, right? You have time and space are made together. Later in chapter 1 of Genesis, when we, we see God beginning the creation, God created light, and he separated light from darkness, and he called the light day and the darkness night. On the fourth day, he said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So the time of year in which we are celebrating the passing of one year into another is determined simply by the earth making, what, an orbit around the sun. Of course, a month is marked by the moon's orbit around the earth every month. A day is easy enough, light and day, and all these are created by God. Of course, I like how Answers in Genesis points out that we get our week. Where where, where do we get that from? There's no light, no moon, no sun that tells us a week is, but we get the week from God's purposeful creation week, and it all has a purpose. These God created, he created these time markers and, and for us as signs, which is interesting because does God need signs and markers? No, because he's outside of time. He knows all this, but he created these for us purposefully. God created time. Secondly, besides being the creator of time, God is provident over time. Back to Ecclesiastes, for every season there is a time. We read that, but a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck, but it's planted, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, even a time for war and a time for peace. Galatians 4.4 tells us that, but when the fullness of time had come, see that fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, and at just the right time. This is what we just celebrated, isn't it? Just the right time Jesus came. The language of the world was now Greek because they had conquered the world and established that. The Romans made a great road system for, so that the word and the witness of Jesus could easily spread. And if you think about it, only... At a time when crucifixion was the capital punishment of the day, could Christ come? He he came at just the right time. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10, Paul writes, 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making to us known the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So there again, we see that there's this plan, there's this purpose, and when the fullness of time had come, Jesus Christ came that we might have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses. Jesus even said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, as recorded in Mark, and at the right time, while we were still weak, Christ died for us. All this is precisely at the right time. God is provident over time. None of this was by accident. It was planned before the foundation of the world. And there's so much more. We could go into God appointing times for the feasts of the Lord so that Jesus would die on the Passover and rise again on the day of first fruits. So all this is God being providential over time. And think, think back to um, when Joshua was battling the Amorites, God held back the sun for about a whole day. God paused time. And then he made the, the sun go back 10 steps on the sundial as, as a sign to King Hezekiah. So not only did God create time, but you could see his power over time, and he's providential over it. Think of that for one moment. I told you that, that the speed of light is, two, what did I say, 299 billion meters per second. The sun is, is hurtling through space. Now, we, we think of, of the earth going around the sun, but actually the sun is moving through space. It's hurtling through space, and it's dragging by gravity, the eight planets and Pluto, if you want to count that as nine, right? And all our moons, it's, it's, the sun is dragging us behind and we're making this, this uh, helical cycle around it. And the earth is actually rotating as well in all this. And the earth is rotating at 1,040 miles per hour. So the hour that you've been in here, almost an hour, you've traveled 1,040 miles and didn't even know it. Um, what power and might would it take to turn the earth back and stop the rotation of the earth and rotate it back? That's amazing. God is providential over time. So God created time. God is providential over time. But thirdly, God is provident over your time and mine. Verse 2 of Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to be born and a time to die. And that includes us. Eve praised God when she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed. So there's the purpose again. God has appointed for me another offspring. That word appointed, there's a purpose, there's a plan. It's God's involvement in the birth of Seth. 
God said to Pharaoh, for this very reason I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. To Ananias, God tells him to go get Saul, and he tells Ananias, for he is a chosen, there's that word chosen, a purpose, instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. Chosen and planned, God had this eternal plan and purpose before Saul was even born. Now this should bring you great joy to think about this. You are not an accident. You were planned by God, knitted in your mother's womb. You have an identity in God. And you have a God-given purpose. There's a purpose for why you're here. Many others in the world today have no purpose but their own pleasure. Nothing that brings lasting or everlasting satisfaction. They are living according to the lies of their father, the devil. But you, brothers and sisters, have the truth which gives us hope and peace and joy. We could keep going on and talking about the birth. We could talk about Sarah or Hannah or maybe even Cyrus, whose birth was pre-planned and ordained and prophesied a hundred years, hundreds of years before he came. All examples of God working his wonders, his plans, and his purpose in birth. But God's providence over time not only applies to your birth, it also applies to your death, should he tarry. Psalm 139, verse 13. We know the first part of this, this passage really well. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Your life, your death, is already written in the book. God had a purpose for them, every one of them, before you even had one. Every day of your life and the day of your passing were planned by God with a purpose. James 4 verse 13 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a, a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live, and to do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. See, we will not sleep, brothers and sisters, until God's appointed time. Not one day too early, and not one day too late. Not only does God know, plan, and purpose your birth and death, he also knows plans and purposes all the days in between. I like how Charles Spurgeon 
put it. Remember this. Had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. Let me say that again. Charles Spurgeon quote, Remember this. Had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. On my phone, um, I have this quote superimposed on my screen that comes up. I have this superimposed over a a picture of D-Day, Normandy Beach, Point du Hoc, to be precise. It reminds me that every soldier there that day who ascended that cliff and those who died in the assault were there because God raised them up and planned their very lives to be there in that moment. Divine love has brought you here this morning to Fredericksburg, to Grace Fellowship Church. And even now, no matter what circumstances that you find yourself in life today, divine love has put you there and has a purpose for it. So, God's providential over our time. Next, I want to talk about how God then fuses time. He, he bridges time together. And this is an evidence of his providence over time. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. You know that as the faith chapter. It gives us a good definition of faith. And it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of evidence of things not seen. And verse 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Did you catch the three time phases in that definition of faith? They're fused together. So we have this faith in God, which is past, present, and future. So we have this hope, right? Faith is is this trust, this hope, uh, that God will reward uh, those who seek him. Where's that reward and where's that hope in time? It's in the future. But today I can have that hope and, and be assured. Why? Because we have evidence We have conviction of things not seen. Where is that evidence from? The past. So God bridges the past, the present, and the future. How do you know today, how can you be confident today that you will have eternal life? Where is eternal life? It's in the future. Because we have evidence from what? faithful eyewitnesses that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. So that evidence gives us hope and trust and confidence to live today as Christians because we know we have a, a future hope that is amazing waiting for us. But God fuses that all together. I like how one apologist put it this way. The traditionalist lives for the past. Okay, think of Tavia in uh, Fiddler on the Roof, right? 
singing tradition, tradition. Without their tradition, they live for their tra- tradition because if they didn't have it, their life would be as shaky as a fiddler on the roof. So the traditionalist looks to the past. The existentialist lives for the moment. The existentialist lives for today. There's nothing about the past or the future that they're living for. While the utopianist lives for the future. So you got that? The traditionalist lives for the past. The existentialist lives for today. The utopianist lives for the future. And sometimes they live for the future even at the expense of the past in some cases, right? But God fuses this all together when he says, take, eat, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do you see how Christ covers and bridges the time? Today, we're, gonna, we're, we're going to have communion and the Lord's Supper together. But we, we do this today to proclaim what happened in the past, and we do it until he comes in the future. So he bridges and fuses time together. Even last week, Chris took us to Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the Lord of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself up uh, for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Did you catch that? Again, we see the past, present, and future all working together for our lives as Christians. We have this in the present age to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It was what Paul said. Waiting for our blessed hope. Where's the blessed hope? It's in the future. And that's the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, who, who what? Gave himself up for, for us to redeem us. And when did he do that? In the past. So God bridges time. He fuses time together, the, the past, present, and future uh, for us as Christians so that we don't have to be like the existentialist only living for the moment or the utopianist just living for the future or the traditionalists just living for the past. We have all three in God. So not only does God bridge time, uh, he, he holds everything together. Our very existence in his hand. Colossians 2, 16 through 17, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. All things includes time, right? Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Hebrews 1.3 says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds 
the universe by the word of his power. So not only are the oceans in his hands, he's, he's upholding this universe by the word of his power. This is why at the beginning of the message, I wished you a happy new day, a new hour, maybe even a new moment. See, God holds the universe together. Each new moment is by his design and purpose. And when you think about it that way, it gives you a new perspective of being joyful and rejoicing and giving thanks in every moment of the day. Just as the rich ruler did not know that his life would not last that night, we are not guaranteed even the next moment, are we? Or as James put it, our life is a, it's a vapor. God fuses the past, present, future. He holds all the universe and time in his, in his power, in his hand. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And, folks, there is an end. There is an end. If there is a beginning, there is a promised ending. Paul tells us that there is a time to reach the fullness of the Gentiles. There's a time set for that. Just as God patiently waited 400 years for the Canaanites to be fulfilled, there is a time where God is waiting patiently for the fullness of the Gentiles to be reached. And Paul tells Timothy that in the last days, the last time, there will be difficulty. Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And John tells us this, it is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. God tells us in Psalm 75, uh, 75 that at the set time that I appointed, this is what he says, at the set time that I appointed, I will judge with equity. For he knows their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues. Isaiah 66, 18, and to Daniel, God says, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. God has created time in the beginning, exercises sovereignty and providence over time throughout history. He is providential over our time, our birth, and our death. He fuses past, present, future while he holds the universe together, and there's a time set and planned by God that is the ending of his story under heaven. Which then leads us finally then to what is our response to these truths that we see in God's word concerning time? Psalm 89, 14 the psalmist prays to God and says, remember how short my time is. The psalmist has a clear sense of just how short his time is, and we need to have a sense of how short our time is. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. So the first thing we need to do as we consider God's providence over time, is we need to humbly consider and remember our time is short. We like to think it's kind of a long time. It seems like it drags on. But God's word tells us our time is short. 
Psalm 90, we can pray to God just as the psalmist did. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So what can you do? You can pray to God to help us number our days so that we might be wise. And, and, and with, our, with that wisdom, we need to be teachable and learn to number our days. Should it be God's will that I live to be 80 years old? I only have 6,570 days left. Now that seems short. That's only 936 Sundays. Hmm. We need to number our days. Remember how short life is. Jesus also instructs us what to do. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. A time, right? Tomorrow is a time. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 6, 24. Next, what else can we do? We can consider your future and have this same attitude as Paul in that he considered that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Right? Later, he tells us to wait for it with patience. Our future time is, is, is going to, our future time, our hope is going to be so joyful, so amazing that we are to endure with patience the suffering that you might be going through now. Even your circumstances today are part of that everything for which there is a time and a purpose. You can rest assured, brothers and sisters. With hope and confidence that God is still sovereign and he has a purpose in mind in what you are experiencing. And like Paul, it is not worth the emotions or worry compared to the glory that we will enjoy later. All right, some of you need that encouragement and understanding. Some of you need this next message of Paul, where Paul tells us to wake up. Romans 13, 11 and following. Besides this, you know the time. So Paul's saying to the Romans, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. The night is far gone. Put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. So did you get that? Here's what Paul tells us to do. He says, wake up. Put on your armor, your helmet, your belt, the shield, shoes, take up your sword and walk properly. There's a battle. The hour is late. We need to number our days and then walk in a manner worthy of our Lord. Ephesians 5.15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. Because the days are evil, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything. That's a long list of things you can do when you consider God's word on time. A thankful heart, a grateful heart, giving thanks for everything, coming here, singing with us, spiritual songs and hymns, uh, making melody in your heart, making the best use of time. Um, and, and again, it says to give God uh, thanks for everything. There's that everything word again. What does it mean? Everything. 
There's a time appointed for everything, and in everything we are to give thanks. So no matter what time you are facing, a time of war, a time of peace, a time of birth, or a time of death, and every time, no matter what sufferings you think you have, give thanks and make the best use of time. Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of time. Finally, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Pretty amazing when you, when you look at it, what God's Word has so much to say about time. And it has a lot of applications for us when we consider this topic. Our time is short. These days it seems closer and closer to the return of Jesus, doesn't it? How would you live your life differently if you knew he was coming back this year? What if he were to turn this month? We need to be wise, holding to our confession and our hope without wavering, walking and encouraging each other, especially here as brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't give up on each other. Give thanks for our very next moment, making the best use of our time. Let's pray, shall we?